Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John and that's Ian. Hey, what's up? Not much, y'all. Uh, today is February 15th, 2017, and this is episode 50, All Along the Volt Tower. <laughs> John had me listening to soundtracks from Battlestar Galactica for like the entire time I was editing the show notes once I saw the episode title. I mean, I was thinking more the Jimi Hendrix. Well, yeah, but, the Jimi know. Hendrix one is good, but like I'm just used to it, uh, the Battlestar Galactica one. Fair. Spoilers. Uh, in, any case, in any case, we're going to talk about the uh, Blue Red X Dynavolt Tower deck that Ian and I have been playing. Yeah, it's a but first, pretty fun control deck in standard, but yeah. Yeah, it's a fun little deck. Oh, yeah. But first, we're going to turn our eyes to the community and look at a few of the things that are happening there. And this past weekend was Grand Prix Pittsburgh. Excuse me. Grand Prix Pittsburgh. Uh, and uh, the big, uh, the top dog in that GP was uh, Green Black. Yeah. So the meta is like kind of really solidifying standard wise. Uh, I should mention it was standard uh, as the uh, format of choice for the weekend. Uh, the top eight had two Mardu vehicle decks, one Jeskai control deck, and the other five were Green Black aggro in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, there's there hasn't been a solidification on which green black deck is best, but there was green black delirium, green black counters, and a yeah. little bit of a smorgasbord of the two. The uh, one that won this week was kind of interesting, and in that it was playing four Sylvan Advocate and four and two Catacomb Sifter in the main. So kind of interesting, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems to be more on the counter kind of strategy, like, you know, the plus one, plus one counters. Uh, fun thing in that one, had Distended Mindbender out of the sideboard, which is just a beater of a card. It is some very spicy tech. Yeah, but uh, there's one that was more of an energy-related build um, in fourth place. Other ones are just, you know, the typical... There was a, more of a oh, uh, Delirium-based one at seventh place. I know uh, one of one of John's buddies uh, in our in the testing group that he's in was looking more towards a delirium based green black aggro deck as well. Yeah, the green black delirium green black aggro seems to be the direction to go. Uh, as cool as it is, winding constrictor can be a little bit of a detriment in certain cases. Yeah, so the one I was looking at seventh place actually does play four winding constrictor and four grim flare. Um, I was just kind of saying they're kind of almost cannibalistic cards with each other. They don't work. Bit. They don't work well together. Um, namely, that if you have a hand that wants kind of a counter strategy, say you've got a Rishkar and a Virtuous Gear Hulk, then cool. You want to be just like going straight in on, you know, turn two Winding Stitcher, turn three Rishkar, turn four Gear Hulk, start bashing face in. If you have the Flare, you're gonna want to be dumping stuff in your yard quicker and Constrictor. I don't know. It just feels weird. I'm sure there's a happy medium that they can reach, but... Oh, absolutely. Um, this one's also playing three Gifted Aetherborn, also known as Vampire Nightwalk, the the black-black 2-3 Death Touch Life Linker. That card is certainly powerful in the right metagame, and it stops big countered creatures, so... Yeah. Well, another thing is, too, like, start dumping counters on it. <laughs> it gets That's also true. Disgusting. So, yeah, um, overall, there wasn't really a whole lot... To be perfectly fair, the top 32 are basically those three styles. There's a Black Green Energy uh, by v in the hands of Veronica Page at 29th mm -hmm. place. Uh, oh, now you're looking at four-color copycat. There was a 
Jeskai control list, but it's basically just Sahili, Jeskai Sahili. Really nothing outside those three archetypes, or the three general archetypes of Sahili combo uh, vehicles or green-black. So yeah, hopefully the format's not solved yet. But hopefully we'll be talking today a little bit. We got one more thing to mention before we move Which on to you, the actual episode topic. And it ties nicely into what I was just mentioning, but hopefully it's not just three deck meta. <laughs> Let's hope. And we'll definitely be commenting on that once we get to, to the main topic. But first, uh, Ian, something recently that's been uh, started up is the play it forward movement. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So uh, I met, I just kind of mentioned 29th place Veronica Page. Um she was the top female competitor at Grand Prix Pittsburgh this past weekend. So Play Forward is kind of an initiative. It kind of really started kickstarting around the Pro Tour when everyone's like, when people were looking at the teams for the Pro Tour, it was like, hey, there's no women on any of these teams. And everyone's like, well, there's only like a couple women who are actually qualified for the Pro Tour and nobody that's on the quote unquote gravy train to keep it rolling, uh, which a lot of these teams kind of want you to have like qualifications throughout the season so it's not just like okay we've got a dead spot for one like one or two pro tours um so what play for it is it's a player-backed initiative that like basically has all sorts of people coming together um basically artists judges and players all chipping in for fun cool prizes and stuff like that to promote um women in the game and also non-binary uh they're basically their mission statement is basically play forward seeks to promote and cultivate female and non-binary magic gathering players they sponsor additional prizes high level competitions across north america that only female and non-binary people qualify for so what they're trying to do is kind of just it's kind of incentivizing uh, a top female finisher this week or this week was uh, like i mentioned like veronica page uh so what she walked home with was a sweet play mat a Shadows Over Innistrad booster box donated by one Aaron Campbell, and a pro, tour, a pro mentor prize of 70 Magic Online tickets from Sam Pardee. Now, I haven't really been able to clarify specifically if like that actually includes like Sam actually you know Skype kind of helping out mentor wise with the uh, the prize, but people all chipping in these all really cool things. Um, there is a prize going to for people going to Grand Prix Vancouver, which is this coming weekend, which is modern. Uh, the Play It Forward bounty for this weekend is one revised booster pack. Also, uh, there are four, the next four GPs, one New Jersey, Orlando, San Antonio, and Richmond. There's also going to be, that's one of those bo- revised boosters is going to be part of the bounty for those events as well. Uh, so you get the revised booster pack. You get a Judge promo, Zer the Enchanter from Judge Max Khan. The Pro Mentorship Prize this week is featuring uh, Channel Fireball writer Jacob Wilson, which is kind of cool. And at Grand Prix San Jose, the winner uh, of the bounty at that one, Courtney Rudinger, and her husband, Andrew, who's a level two judge, um, I follow them on Twitter, great follows and stuff. We'll pu- put their uh, Twitter handles in the show notes. But they both have pledged $75 to the top finisher at GP Vancouver and GP Orlando for the next Grand Prix uh, entry fee. Sounds like one hell of a deal to me. Yeah, so, like, the overall thing I think is it's great. I mean, it's kind of, I guess, two ways to look at it. Like, one's like, oh, we shouldn't really have to, you know, incentivize women to play. But at the same time, kind of do. Well, if you look at the data from a few years ago, Mark Rosewater said that I think it was, like, 
30 to 40% of all Magic players are women, but that is not uh, mirrored in the competitive scene. Oh, absolutely and, not. And if you're trying to encourage you know, women to play in the competitive scene, you need something there to encourage them to go. Um, because there have been a lot of women who've had bad experiences at GPs or at their local game store, and that kind of turned them away from the kind of organized magic scene. Oh, um, and one thing I also want to add on there, too. Apparently, starting at Grand Prix Vancouver, they've added a prize to the Day 2 PTQ. So for the first woman non-binary person to uh, top 8 that PTQ, they get a booster box of every standard legal set. Ooh, that's nifty. That's a heck of an incentive. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I'm for it. Like, I think it's a cool little initiative that's going on. Um, it helps, like, I mean, for instance, we see Courtney, who won a bounty in Grand Prix San Jose for her. I think she finished in the 40s. Uh, she's feeding back into it to help the next winners out. So oh yeah, it's definitely, like, helping the community build on itself. I hope it really steamrolls into something huge. Uh, that'd be really cool to see it grow uh, beyond just these simple little prizes here. And stuff. So, I've heard nothing but good things about it from everybody I've followed and heard, talked about. So, oh yeah, it's definitely something to uh, keep your eyes out for in the future. Uh, one last thing before we get to the episode topics, as Ian mentioned last week, I believe it was uh, the Plane Shift uh, Kaladesh is coming out uh, on the 16th, which should be the day that you're listening to this. Um, and so, go check that out. It's probably on the Wizards website. Um, probably tweet out the link to it once it goes live yeah and, plane, and remember plane shift kaladesh is the DD kind of world builders guide for the plane of kaladesh which is going to be super fun i hope in any case let's go ahead and jump into our main topic which is these blue red dynavolt tower control decks for standard ian sent me a list a few weeks ago i really liked it I played that a few PTQs or PPTQs. Ian's played it a little bit online, and we're going to kind of break down the deck and talk about our experiences with the deck, where we've gone from the base list that we got, and where we think we're going to go in the future with this deck, and if it hopefully has any legs to show up maybe for a bigger finish at a standard GP in the future. Yeah. So John mentioned I shipped him a list. Uh, so whenever standard kind of formats rotate, one thing I do when I'm looking at okay, what deck, what deck do I want to play if I'm going to play in standard this uh, season? I don't have a chance to, you know, do all the grinding and, you know, mashing up lists. So I'll, like, look at the, some of the first preliminary weeks worth of lists on Magic Online. Uh, this is right after the Pro Tour happened, so we had, a, like, a week or two of online play to see what the standard look, meta looked like a little bit. So one of the things I focused on was I just punched up MTG Goldfish and M top, uh, MTG Top 8 looked for Dynavolt Tower decks. Because <laughs> the one I played last standard was Dynavolt Burn, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's just not a good deck anymore. It was kind of fringe anyway. It was just a fun deck to mess around with with a Thermo Alchemist. It's basically unplayable now. Basically, yeah. So I was focused in on Dynavolt Tower and saw a control list. And I was like, okay, cool. I looked at him like, it's literally just playing counters and kill spells. And it tops out with four Torrential Gear Hulk. And I was like, this looks pretty freaking cool. Shipped it off to John. Like, what do you think? He's like, mm, looks pretty good. He built it. He enjoyed it. I said, screw it. Let's build it as well. And we've gone from there. So this actually, one thing that you'll see online if you look at the results lately is there's just a straight blue-red uh, control deck that runs Denville Tower. And then there's also like a Grixis list. Uh, we're going to be talking primarily about our Grixis list, uh, which is... Which is like as... 
it only qualifies as Grixis by the smallest margin. Yeah, we're we're splashing for basically one or two cards at this point, but it's uh, the red, blue, black version of the deck. If you know you're not familiar with the old uh, plant uh, sh- shards, shard shard names. That. That's right. Yeah. So this uh, week, actually, just a few days ago, uh, on the thirteenth, uh, Paulo Vitor Domitorosa wrote up a CFB or Channel Fireball Ice Team Rejected Pro Tour Bruise. Uh, so I was scrolling through it, and then happened right towards the bottom to stumble upon Grix's Tower, and I was like, sweet. It's a deck that the pros considered. Uh, the reason why they said that they didn't play it, we're just going to say why they didn't play it before we go into why, like, explaining behind the deck is, it's a reactive deck. It's a control deck. It's going to say no in counter or killing your opponent's creatures or spell, and counting their spells. A reactive deck in an unknown field can be dangerous. Now, granted... In retrospect, when we look at the Pro Tour decks, it's kind of what we were seeing at the SCG events the weeks or two or before. However, when you're brewing for the Pro Tour, you don't know what you're going to see. Uh, he mentioned specifically a potential like uh, deck coming out, out of left field, like a Metalwork Colossus deck. It's not going to be a fun time for you if you're not something prepared for in terms of metagame. So overall, they say the deck, like he says there's really no one major reason why the deck is bad. If they feel like it has a good game versus Black Green, its advantage versus Jeskai Sahili doesn't have a huge advantage, but it has a, an advantage. So, really, you got to look out for the vehicle aggro decks with this deck. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because, in general, control decks tend to suffer against uh, aggressive decks, um, especially in uh, the current Magic parlance with the um, disincentivizing of four mana Wraths. Um, you got to make do with what you got. Yeah, right now, like the really. The only main one is like a five mana one in Fumigate that's roaming around in the white decks. So there's no real good Black Wrath right now. Yeah. Well, you hate his expertise, but we'll get to why we're not playing it in a bit. Yeah. So, John, start us off. I mentioned I looked at the card Dynavolt Tower. It's basically Grix's Tower Control. Start us off with what it's doing. So Dynavolt Tower is kind of one of the main engine cards of the deck. Uh, there's only three in the full 75. Uh, we run two in the main, one on the side, and it's a three-mana artifact that whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, you get two energy, and then you can tap it and spend five energy to deal three damage to a creature or player. Um, that's one of your main win conditions, and it's a really easy way of interacting with a lot of different strategies. A lot of the creatures out of the Mardu Vehicles lists are going to be sub-three toughness. A lot of the um, counters creatures or green-black creatures are also going to fit in that theme, unless you're worried about a Grim Flare getting up to four, and so on and so forth. It also leverages four Torrential Gear Hulks as an additional win con. Uh, the Tower and the Gear Hulk, which, as Ian mentioned ahead was earlier, was a four of, are the real main ways you have of ending games. Uh, the only other card that you have that can be actually seen as a true individual win con is a three of land, Wandering Fumarole, which, in case you forgot, is it taps in, it's the blue-red creature land. Comes into play tap, taps for blue and red, and for two blue-red, you can make it a 1-4 creature that you can pay zero to flip its power and toughness. Yes, it can become become a 4-1 beater. I have won games with this deck off of Wandering Fumarole, just rumbling in. Same same here. Now, you might think Wandering Fumarole, isn't there a card in Aether Revolt that also combos with it? And you're right, there is Crackdown Construct. But this is not a deck for Crackdown Construct, which being the 4-mana 2-2 that whenever you activate the ability that isn't a mana ability of a creature or artifact, uh, it gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. That is a 
that is a combo that can win on the spot, but it's very hard to stick that creature and still be able to leave up mana for what else you want to do with this deck. Yeah, we're, we don't want a, a four mana two two in this format. Uh, shock exists, so it's yeah. it's it's one of those things. It it doesn't die to fatal push. Oh, it does die to fatal push with revolt. So it dies to a lot of the common cheap removal out there. I know it's one of those. Oh, it dies to removal kind of thing. But with this kind of control deck where it has an amazing late game, you don't yeah. want to activate a lot of your opponent's uh, uh You don't removal. want to turn on their removal. Give, yeah, give them a lot of blank cards. Like even Wandering Fumeral, I won't activate that card if my opponent has a single black mana available to them. Yeah, it's the only target for Fatal Push in our entire list. Well, yeah. that's not true. Out of the board, there are some creatures that we can bring out that are sub-4 sub CMC. But game ones, Wandering Fumeral is the only target. Yeah. Um, what John also didn't really mention with Dynavolt Tower, some of us are actually playing three in the main, but it is amazing against Sahili. <laughs> it is, like, it's such a versatile card because I was actually playtesting against a four-color Sahili deck after game day with one of my friends, with uh, Vinny, and um, he had the combo on board, and he just passed the turn, and our other friend was like, why didn't you go for the combo? And he goes, do you not see the Dynavolt Tower in play with five energy? I can't go for the combo because he just kills Sahili. Yeah. Like, it. it's hilarious that you have to respect it. And unfortunately, I've actually I lost a, a game where I probably could have held up a removal spell that I kind of spent on a... I was ahead on life total. I spent... I wasted a Harness Lightning on a Torrential Gear Hulk. Then my opponent had enough mana with her, with her Sahili deck to go fragmentize my tower... Play Sahili, play the uh, Felidar Guardian, and just win off of there. So my one hedge, I could have had two hedges against the combo, but I left up one hedge and it got destroyed by one mana removal. So yeah. one thing to remember there. Going further into the kind of the how the deck is made, there's 26 lands, including those fumaroles, 26 total. Uh, because we're a control deck, we want to hit our land drops, and we don't really want to make, we don't want to have any kind of stumbling on our mana issues because one way this deck loses is when it stumbles on mana. Yeah. Especially before it can get to four mana where it casts the main card draw on the deck, Glimmer of Genius. Yeah, so we try to play, I think it's four, six, eight, nine, no, 11 lands that enter untapped, like that don't enter tapped. And we have some Sunken Hollows and some Choked Estuaries, which can enter untapped, but you have to meet their conditions. Obviously, Sunken Hollow is the uh, battle dual land. It's an island swamp, enters a battlefield tapped unless you control two or more uh, basics and the estuary is the one that enters tapped unless you reveal a swamp or an island from your hand now we run enough of the swamps islands to potentially run your choked estuary out you're going to want to prioritize that we also run two spire bluff canals some lists run three um, that's the fast land so you really want to it's you don't have to juggle your mana too much in the early game but you definitely want to prioritize getting your spire bluff canals out first Actually, you're wandering fumaroles out as quickly as you can. If you have them in your opener, that should be your turn one play, basically. Yeah, and also, there are some people who will go, you know, turn one, estuary, show you an island so it comes into play untapped. Um, the list that we're running doesn't have any one-drop blue or black spells. Um, we'll get to some of the reasons why later on. So you can actually just run it out tapped and then play turn two, Spire Bluff Canal untapped. Because tapped canals in the late game does hurt a bit, 
but the early game flexibility of having it come into play untapped is really unmatched. Yeah, because there's been times where I've just run out of Spire Bluff Canal and then an Aether Hub, which the deck runs three. I was running a list that runs four. Uh, kind of tweaked the lands a little bit. I was only running two Choked Estuary and four Aether Hub as opposed to John's list, which runs three Hub uh, and three Estuaries. So yeah. the mana base is actually really flexible. Uh, we mentioned the Channel Fireball Ice list. They're actually running a different mana base configuration than we do. They actually have three Smoldering Marsh, which is the Swamp Mountain Battle Duel. Um, I personally don't like that. Yeah, I I tend to agree as well. Because they also shaved um, they also shaved two um, basics out of there too, so it, the odds of it coming in tapped seem a lot stronger. Uh, so we can just go and run through the mana base as is. Um, so we have three wandering fumaroles. Um, I'm running two at two sunken hollows, three estuaries, three ether hubs, three evolving wilds, and then you have six islands, three mountains, and a swamp. Um, so you're running 26 lands, obviously. At control, control of the decks want to run 25 to 28. We're, 26 is kind of the good number for this one. Uh, you don't have an incredibly high top end in terms of expensive cards. Uh, you you top out at you want Gear Hulk at six, but be other than that, you have a four drop. You have four four drops, and then everything is three and below. Yeah. And speaking of the four drops, Glimmer of Genius, as previously mentioned, kind of being the card that brought control back. Three and a blue instant, scry two, draw two, and get two energy is really, really good with a tower in play. It's, yeah, if you have two towers in play, that's six energy. <laughs> oh, I've done that. It just feels so good. I have two. It's insane. Um, now, it's probably the best, it's actually the best blue draw spell right now. Um, Wizards, please give us a better blue draw spell. Like, Soon, please. Stop giving it to green. <laughs> Uh, so also it's not really kind of it's kind of pseudo card draw but it's more card selection it runs four, uh, lists run four anticipate so you look at the top three of your library put one in your hand and rest on the bottom in any order anticipate's a necessary evil in this deck because it's a two mana instant that triggers your dynavolt towers and in a pinch it finds you, you it'll usually find you what you need yeah, um, I'm not afraid to go turn two play a land pass and on an opponent's end step, just go anticipate. Yeah. Whether it's you need to hit a land drop or you need to hit some piece of reaction, um, it's really kind of a necessary evil. Uh, I have a friend, Devin, who plays a Esper control list, and he had to. He just was like, I hate anticipate. I'm just cutting it entirely from my deck. Um, and it's ended up working out fine for him in the long run. Um, but I feel like if anticipate was even just a little better, I think it would feel more at home now what would it be what would one like would you basically well, if, it looking, impulse. if it was impulse i'm about to say like if, if it was impulse which impulse is one in a blue look at the top four as opposed to three so it's slightly better um yeah the the card draw in standard for blue right now is not great bob it's not great <laughs> it seems like the uh the envelope is moving in that direction though so or the I, pendulum, I should say i really hope it's swinging back in blue's favor because green has had just a heck of a time lately. Yeah. Well, Amaket is Nicol Bolas' home plane, and there better be a really good Nicol Bolas-themed draw spell, so... Hey, man, all I'm looking at is this is setting us up great for <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> but moving on to some of the other things we talk about, uh, we mentioned this is kind of a nope deck, as the controls are, but this is not heavy control in terms of counter or kill. We have a nice mix of both. So yeah. kind of our main removal suite in red, uh, this is kind of why you want something like, if you can, prioritize a Spire Bluff Canal 
or a red source untapped, turn one is plays shocks. Uh, John's playing two. Uh, I think in your I've list, got two, two main, three. one side. Uh, some play some play three main, uh, one side. It's really there's a couple little flex spots in the deck. Um, shock is definitely one of the flex spots. How's it? Uh, the how's original it list that we grabbed was by or that Ian sent me was by a MTGO user Gareffi, uh, and they were running the three main one side uh, earlier. I found myself taking it out a lot, at least one of them, and going to the two after sideboarding. So I think two is probably the correct one in the main. Um, yeah. But we won four Harness Lightning, which with Dynavolt Tower is a house. I mean, Harness Lightning is already close to Doomblade, and with a Dynavolt Tower in play, it kills almost everything in the format aside from like a Torrential Gear Hulk or something that's really, really large. I uh, Harness Lightning is definitely one of the premier removal spells in the list. Um, and I, it's definitely one of the powerful cards that we get access to. Yeah, I won't lie. I've actually targeted a Harness Lightning at one of my own Gear Hulk, uh, chose zero, and then used my Dynavolt Tower to vault them out. <laughs> it is a line available to you. Um, now, I, I like to refer, I know because it deals three damage, so usually Lightning Bolt is a three-man thing. I call it vaulting. Cause, I do the exact same terminology as well. So Yeah, so if you hear us say vault volt something we're just talking about activating the dynavolt towers five energy ability to deal three damage which yes is really awkward the fact that it gets two but requires five to spend is awkward but it needs to be awkward because if it was like two and four or two and six it would be like two and four is probably too good two and six is probably too bad if it was three and five is the three number three and five is too powerful too i think yeah, three and five would be way too powerful. Yeah, um, like boy, like I said, if we get if you get a couple of those rolling and some harness light, if you get two on the board and anything like two dynavolt towers and a shock is just fun. <laughs> oh yeah, you're just like boop one mana gain two, gain four energy. Uh, remember, yeah. you're also playing those aether hubs. So you don't necessarily have to use it for color mana. You can just be like, I have five energy. Whoop de doo. Um, yeah. So we'd mentioned removal. One thing that we, we play black for, there's so like so there's a just a strict blue red list out there, but we're talking about a Grixis list. Probably I would say the best remove hands down the best removal spell in standard right now, unlicensed disintegration. I mean there's a reason it's giving an F and M promo. Yeah, uh, for those who don't remember, it is the one red and a black instant spell that says destroy target creature. If you can control an artifact, uh, a, a Opponent of the controlling creature loses three life, or target opponent loses three life, right? Well, it's the creature's controller. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, unlicensed integration deals three damage to that creature's controller. Yeah. So this can kill anything from a one mana creature all the way up to your gear hulks, and yeah. even well, you can't kill Ulamog. Well, it would have killed them. <laughs> it can kill their vehicles. It can kill. Well, it can't kill an active. It, it can't dead, kill an active. It kills it dead. It can't kill an activated Chad, but well, no, not much can. Edicts. <laughs> we'll get yes, to those in a minute. That is true. But it runs three of them. Uh, it usually you are going to have. I p- try to prioritize getting at least a tower out before I try to get my disintegrations off, just because value. Yeah. Um. I mean, tower is the best reason to play disintegration. Uh, Gearhold disintegrate is also still fine. Yeah, you can go. Run a disintegration out and then kind of quote unquote pseudo flash it back with your Gear Hulk. Um, now, did we mention what Gear Hulk does? Uh, we did not, but we were talking about the torrential variety. Yeah. Four blue blue for a 5 4 flash. And when it enters the battlefield, you may cast an instant from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. And if you do, exile it. It's a 5 6. 
and it's a five six. Did I say six five? You said five four. <laughs> oh no, it's a five six. Sorry. Yeah, six mana. Fun thing is though with the Gear Hulk, you don't really want to run it out on turn six. <laughs> no, this is not a you know Gear Hulk deck on six. You ca- it can't. It absolutely can in certain situations. You know where you know your opponent on their turn five or their turn six, they decide to go okay. I'm just going to cast this thing that you need to answer, and you go, okay, Gear Hulk, counter it. Um, but it's a very, very quick threat. It ends games very quickly, and it is has great synergy with your Dynavolt Towers. I have to say the average turn that I've casted on is probably like 10. Yeah, I would say that probably fits. Because um, you're just using your Dynavolt Towers, your spot removal, and your counter spells, and your draw spell in... Uh, anticipating glimmer genius to get you to you want to get to turn like 10 turn 11 turn 12 and that's when this deck will turn the corner like you could be taking some hits uh you you will take hits with this deck um it's i've i'll get to like our what we john i've discussed like learned playing the deck in a little bit but yeah you definitely want to like hold off on your uh on like your hulks for a minute but one of the things the original list was running is some cyborg cards. We mentioned the Edicts, um, which is the... Uh, the other reason we are playing black, which is to the slaughter. Right. Uh, odds are you're not going to get Delirium. You have to kind of do some manipulation to get it there because we're basically running all instants. They're the only, <laughs> the only sorcery that we put into the deck after the fact is... Uh, well, there's, one in this, there's some of the cyborg, but... You're looking at an incendiary flow that we added to the main deck as a tweak. Um, release the gremlins in the sideboard. That's a, that's a sorcery. And that's basically it. Well, Radiant Flames. Not Radiant Flames, too, if you're playing it. Odds are you're yeah, going to end up with land, artifact, and instant. And potentially creature with the Gear Hulk. Yeah. The it's, other thing it, you're, we forgot to mention is the Counterspell Suite. Oh, yeah, well... Because yeah. we kind of glossed over that part because we are playing blue, and the best way that blue has of answering things is counter spells. Uh, we are running three disallow, a total of four negate between the main and the side, uh, three main, one side, two revolutionary rebuff, which is probably the worst card in the deck, and then two one ofs in void shatter and the ultimate spice of confirmed suspicions. Yeah, I, I agree with you fully that revolutionary rebuff is probably the worst card in the deck that we're actually playing. Um, I know that Channel Fireball in their deck actually dropped it for main deck Radiant Flames. Um, they also are playing Fatal Push. We're not playing that. We'll get to that in a sec. But uh, the Confirmed Suspicions is a hilarious card, especially if you go... We mentioned the you can counter something on 5, wait for them to go for something, and then counter it again on turn 6 your Gear Hulk. I've done Confirmed Suspicions turn 5 and a Gear Hulk turn 6 Confirmed Suspicion. Uh, a major creature spell and damn feels good (laughs) oh yeah it is slow card draw it does give you a little bit extra oomph in that department uh but really it's there as a value gear hulk target now remember confirmed suspicion is the three blue blue instant counter target spell and then you get to investigate three times you get three clues it's also a great way to put some uh artifacts on the battlefield for your unlicensed disintegration oh yeah and it, convert, casting confirmed suspicions always feel good. It always feels good. Yeah, the ah. the strongest counter in the deck, I have to say, is disallow. It's just so versatile. Like, 
I'll get into some of the things that I've done with Disallow in game, aside from countering account, aside from just countering spells. But it is just so versatile at being able to do so many different things. Yeah, um, I I know we mentioned we play three um, negates in the main. I've actually dropped that down to two. Um, I felt I have as well. Yeah, three in our original in the original list we had. There's not enough non-creature spells that you really want to just negate. I mean, the vehicle that I mean, it be depending on if you have a vehicle heavy meta, then yeah, I could say run three negate in the main because it just handles all the vehicles right off the bat. But void shatter pretty good against that annoying as all get out creature scrap scrap hulk scrap heap scrounger there we go ah it's blanked on that <laughs> yeah yeah scrap heap scrounger scrap. the two mana three two artifact creature uh that it can't block and you can pay one in the black and exile a creature from your graveyard to return it to the battlefield as far as creatures go that's probably the least favorite creature i like seeing on the other side of the battlefield uh it's it is definitely the, my least favorite creature to see on the other side of the battlefield its recurability is insane. The deck that we're playing only has one real answer to get rid of it, with the exception of some tweaks John made to his playing a brutal expulsion, uh, which, which is, is another. It's a kind of it's your pseudo counter kill. So what's happened, Joe? Uh, it is a two blue red for a devoid instant from a uh, battle for Zendikar. Uh, you you choose one or both. Uh, return target creature or spell to its owner's hand. And then you can deal two damage to a creature or planeswalker, and then if that permanent would go to the graveyard, exile it instead. Yeah, so it straight up kills off a basic scrap heap scrounger. Depends on what you want to do with the return target spell or creature to its owner's hand. You don't have to target that. It can just be a four mana get rid of something, which is kind of feels bad. So you might want to just wait till they cast something and then get rid of it. I mean, if you want to take three and get chunked off for three and then wait till they play something to get the value out of it, sure go ahead. I've actually done that a couple times. Like, I'll take three damage just so that I can, you know, get rid of it in a second. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The uh, other card, though, in standard that really can handle it is Flying Tendrils, which is the one black-black sorcery that all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. If they would die, exile them. Yeah. And uh, that card's actually not in the sideboard of the original build. So just real quick, the cards that were in the sideboard... Where Sphinx is the final word, which you PvP given if you forgot, it was a mythic from Oath of the Gay Watch. Five blue blue for a five five hexproof flyer that can't be countered. That makes all your instant sorceries uncounterable as well. Uh, this is mainly for the control mirror. Uh, one Jason Raveler of Secrets, the two Radiant Flames, and the one Release the Gremlins we mentioned before. Two dispels for the control mirror. Uh, two Dragonmaster Outcasts, which are great against decks that side out all of their fatal pushes. And one horribly awry, which is probably an answer for the aforementioned scrap heap scrounger. Yeah, it's just another way to get rid of it. Uh, so the Dragonmaster Outcast is actually a really interesting card. We saw that a, a while back in a standard or two previous with some of the red decks for ones that want to go long. So in the control matchup, like we said, we want you want to get to turn ten, and a lot of times they're going to board out their little dink, dinky removal spells because you're only showing that you have Gear Hulks. You bring your Dragonmaster Outcast. If you untap with that, you're just starting bashing in with dragons. And even if you have, if you get one off of it, it's amazing. So that's the, remember, it's the red 1-1 human shaman. That was a mythic rare from Battle for Zendikar. It says, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control six more lands, put a 5-5 dragon creature with flying on the battlefield. Creature token. So create, oh, yeah. or create a creature token, I guess is the now. That would be the new wording. Yeah, it the says, new wording. It, yeah, it, it was it, before it, the the create reward yes. um 
and most of the cards in the sideboard, as well as the aforementioned two of the slaughters, are kind of uh, expected. And then the one card that I just have to gush about is Sphinx of the Final Word. Preach. Oh my god. Preach it. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and jump into my games. So the well, weekend oh, after... We, we explain what, Do we explain what Sphinx is? Yes. All right. I went over that because people yeah. might have forgotten that Sphinx of the Final Word exists in standard still. It's and so... thanks to the new rotation, it still exists in standard, even when Elmocat comes out. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I took uh, that exact 75 with a few, with no basically no changes uh, to two PPTQs the weekend of uh, the weekend after the Pro Tour, uh, and I had a six round Swiss and a five round Swiss. And over the course of both events, I went six, four, and one, uh, getting ninth and tenth, winning losing my winning ends effectively in various different rounds. Or drawing in, in one specific case. And Sphinx of the Final Word was amazing every time I cast it. Um, I played against Jeskai Sahili decks uh, four times, going 2-1-1, one, and one, which should have been a 3-1 and one instead of a 2-1-1. Two, um, two wins, one loss, and one draw. And Sphinx of the Final Word just makes it so that your opponent can't do anything. Like, making all my removal spells uncounterable, making my counter spells uncounterable, it really does give you, as it says, the final word. Um, fun, fun thing about the whole like counter spell like can't be countered thing so <laughs> I played an opponent I stuck a sphinx it was against a Sahili, uh Jessica Sahili opponent so they go to play a spell I counter it they then cast a counter spell ca- trying to counter my own spell and then they sat for a minute and like why isn't this working and I'm like <laughs> did you read the added text that got added to my card it cannot be countered see it doesn't give them hexproof, so you can target one of these instant or sorcery spells with a counter spell. It just won't. It just won't happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, I got to stick a Dynavolt Tower on turn three against a Sahili deck, and I got it to like twenty-one energy, and I killed them with it. And after the next day, I saw the same player at the PPTQ playing. They weren't playing just guys Sahili at the second PTQ. They were playing uh, Marty Vehicles, and he was like, "Yeah, I headed to gate. I didn't respect the Dynavolt Tower." And it just killed me. Yeah. Um, that like the thing is, people don't really expect the tower to be that great, but this deck wants to go long, and if you stick it on three, you are going to get the maximum amount of value because you're only playing four creatures. Everything else in the deck is lands or spells. Yeah, and this deck is very well suited up to beat these kind of control decks and these control mirrors. Um, the one deck that I saw in the field of one of my PTQs. That made me a little hesitant was there is a Sultai Delirium Control deck running Grapple of the Pasts and the Lianas. Um, because, like, playing Lily minus twoing and picking up your Gear Hulk seems really good. Just seems so stupidly good. Um, it just gives, it just kind of goes over the top a little bit more. But in any case, uh, this list just is, it was so good against the control decks. Um, I, I only lost to the one Jeskai Sahili player in the enti- over the course of the entire two PPTQs. Um, the only decks that it had trouble with were against the aggressive strategies. Uh, I basically had a uh, even record against green black aggro decks uh, of either of either the counter variety or there was one Sultai aggro brew that I ran up against, playing long tusk cub and snake and a bunch of other and a bunch of blue counter spells. Um, and it the real way to beat those decks is to have quick early aggressive draws with a lot of early interaction like removal spells or counter spells, um, and those are the matchups where. Revolutionary Rebuff really shines as a quick two-mana counter to whatever they're trying to do. Also, an early tower helps in all of those cases. Um, after those two PPTQs, I went to game day, and I went 2-2 two and two at game day before the cut to top eight. 
Uh, I took a lot of changes where, for example, I added the Brutal Expulsions, and then I added probably too many Ascendiary Flows to my deck, because being a Sorcery, you can't flash it back with Gear Hulk, and it doesn't have the instant speed interaction that you like. Uh, basically to deal with, as we mentioned before, the biggest threat, which is Scrap Heap Scrounger. Um, after that, or also I swapped out uh, the two to Slaughters for Ether Revolt Uncommon Perilous Predicaments. Um, it's pretty good with aggro, and it's also great against control decks running, trying to run Sphinx of the Final Word against me, uh, because for those of you who, don't, who might not know, it's four and a black for an instant, which is key because you can flash it back with your Gear Hulk. Uh, each opponent sacrifices an artifact creature and a non-artifact creature. So making somebody sack their Sphinx and their Gear Hulk uh, of any variety is very, very good with this card. Yeah, it's something I haven't personally tested with yet, but it seems like something that would warrant a decent amount of testing. Uh, to the, like I mentioned when we were first introduced it, to the slaughter, it's really hard to get the maximum amount of value out of it with its... Because um, what it's... It uses target player sacrifices a creature or a planeswalker when it has delirium. It does both, but it's something that kind of would bring you'd bring in against like the Jeskai Sahili deck. They'd go, they play their one, they play their two, and then you go, okay, hope you have delirium and sack both, or you can sack one of them and stop the combo. But it's I I haven't played with it yet, but it definitely seems like a, a decent counter for the. Uh, control matchups now one thing we've kind of mentioned a lot with this sideboard is it has a lot of cards packed into it for the actual like control mirror well i mean once all your removal spells are dead you need to realize oh i don't need these shocks in particular or i don't need these harness lightnings or i don't need certain parts so you need to make sure that you can cut a bunch of stuff to bring in a bunch of stuff oh yeah absolutely uh you're you want to just max out your counters and um things so one thing that I know John's only playing, like, I think you're saying one of in your current cyborg. Um, I was testing two, is Release to Gremlins. Yeah, I'm only playing the one right now. So that's the one, that basically one card that won the Pro Tour, the XX Red Sorcery Destroyed. X target artifacts create X2-2 Red Gremlin creature tokens. Uh, insane against the vehicle decks, but to get max value, you need to at least get it out on turn five, uh, paying to destroy two. Um the deck really doesn't have a whole lot of ways to deal with vehicles when they aren't alive, which yeah. is which is one of the, I guess, major downsides to the deck and why it's really soft to the vehicle decks. Yeah, I've only played against the Marty Vehicles deck once with this list, and it did not go well. Yeah, I played against the vehicle deck, I think, once or twice, and I actually did decently well against it just because I was able to... I lucked out my draws. I had enough of the counter and kill spot removal where like okay they would play their uh try to play their heart of kieran but i had the negate or they would play a scrap heap scrounger and i would have the void shatter or they would play their toolcraft exemplar and i had the shock so it's not terrible against that um so i ran through a couple leagues i've run through two and a half or so leagues so far i haven't had enough time to like really jam it through as many leagues as i would like to um I learned that I am incredibly rusty with control decks. I have not played a lot of constructed magic lately. So the ones that I have have been like Infect or the previous stand with the which was my um uh Dyna Volt Burn deck and or the Red Green Energy deck, which is a very aggro deck. So I was used to more like playing and getting rid of all my cards. I've also had bad luck in terms of draw sometimes where like 
I'll either end up with like every single one of my draw cards in my hand or none of my, I'll see like none of my glimmer of genius. Um, yeah, those are really rough games to win. Yeah, if you don't draw, like this deck needs card draw, which if we get any kind of decent card draw on Amonkhet, it makes this archetype that much better. Um, the thing with the tapping out thing, I've tapped out, like I mentioned that one, Jessica's a healing match where I could have, I wasted my harness lightning on something. I was ahead on life total, had a Sphinx out on board. All I had to do was just wait for my opponent to untap, and I had an uncounterable kill spell on their uh, guardian. I didn't use it. They had the the, uh, the fragmentized to kill my one out. Tapping out and stuff like that. Also, infect that I've been playing. It's they've all been playing decks where it's like, okay, I'll just play everything out, go as quickly as I can. Let's see if my opponent has the response to it. They usually do. <laughs> they usually have it. Um, so this deck is actually the deck that needs to have it. And by have it, I mean the kill or counter. You can't be the one hoping and crossing your fingers that your opponent doesn't have the answer to your one remaining spell in hand. Uh, hell, even I've sandbagged lands for three turns just to like give the illusion that I was holding up a counter or kill spell. My opponent played around the fact that I was basically tapped out or done. I had no action in hand, and they were afraid. And that's what you want your opponent to fear. Um, better players obviously aren't going to fear that against you. Worse Especially players when aren't. they get to the point where, like, I can't afford to play around this anymore, so I'm not going to. Yeah, once they hit that desperation point, um, usually they'll just start jamming stuff out. And once th once you jam like once they jam like one or two threats and you don't respond to it, then they're like, sweet, the floodgates just open up and it stinks. Fun thing is though, I mentioned this deck likes to go to turn 10. You want it to hit turn 10 and it'll turn a corner. Uh, you really need to utilize your spot removal counters effectively that I've discovered as with any control deck. Once you can start sticking your gear hulk with a counter spell backup, and if you go Torrential Gear Hulk, Flashback Glimmer Genius, and you find another Glimmer Genius in that, those top two cards, you're just off to the races. I've had games where I was down to like eight life. My opponent was at 20. I stick a Gear Hulk, get the Glimmer, get another Glimmer, cast the Glimmer, find a Gear Hulk in that Glimmer, cast another Gear Hulk, get the other Glimmer back. And I had a tower on board, so I'm just like starting to vault people out with the 5-6 on board, get another 5-6 on board, and within three or four turns of almost looking like I was going to die, just just demolish my opponent. Oh, if you, yeah. This deck can turn the corner from, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm just smashing your face in like within two turns. I mean, I've had a turn where I've had 20 energy at their end step and go, okay, activate two towers to 6-you, untap, 6-you again, attack for five. Yeah, I had a play where... I had two towers and I had a, two towers in play. I think it was. This is the screenshot I sent you. Um, I had, I didn't have enough, so I had a harness lightning in hand, and my opponent was like, I got my opponent down to like, I'd shocked him, gained a couple energy, then I had to, I'd used all my energy up the previous turn to get them down to like five, so I shocked them, cast, uh, I tried casting and held priority, uh, harness lightning on my own gear hulk because they had a. They had a creature there. They had a gear, gear, their own gear hulk, so I couldn't swing in effectively. So I targeted my own gear hulk, countered my own spell to get the six uh, energy that I needed, and then just vaulted him out. It's a good place to be. 
Yeah, uh, so that's one thing you, like, you can do is if you have enough of those out like, and you get your opponent down, the reach that this deck has, you counter your own spells. <laughs> Just It gets a weird look from your opponent, but do it. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, wait, what? When you need the energy. Because we're like, I'm going to cast this. Like, okay, it's like, in response, I counter my own spell. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, another thing. So speaking of counters, what's, what's your fun, what's some fun counter spell stuff that you've done with this deck? You mentioned it I earlier. Have dis- I have disallowed a Sahili ultimate. I have disallowed a Chandra ultimate. Done that too. <laughs> I have, I have disallowed a Lumbering Falls activation. <laughs> Uh, I have disallowed a scrap heap scrounger activation. Oh, I I did that too against a one of the black red zombie decks, and they had three of their prized amalgams on the board or in the in the graveyard already. I was just like, uh-huh, nope. I mean, disallow is just so versatile, and while it could just literally be a cancel, it also is just so flexible at doing all these really stupid, crazy things. Um, I think people wrote it off too quickly. I mean, I, everybody knew it was good. Um, the fact that most of the time it is just a three-mana counterspell is, you know, a little bit of a downside. But, like, the flexibility is just, oh my god, so there. Yeah, because one thing, like, this this deck doesn't have a lot of direct burn direct burn damage. We have shocks, and, you know, it's two damage. But it can only delay your opponent's Planeswalkers for a couple turns. But being able to, if you can't respond to the sticking of the Planeswalker you can respond to their ult, and that's amazing. I mean, I had uh, I was playing against one of my friend's decks. He was playing a similar Grixis-style deck, except it was Planeswalker Control uh, with Dark Intimations to uh, get back his Planeswalkers, Ooh, which was really spicy. Uh, and we were just playtesting, like we were just playing around, and he had, one, he had a board at one point of Lily and Chandra, both at seven, both ready to ultimate, and uh, I managed to turn the corner with like a few Dynavolt Tower activations, and then he plays like a creature, and I go, cool. Uh, unless it's disintegration, kill it, kill Liliana, untap, attack Chandra. Um, so you mentioned you've countered some Sahili ultimates. This deck, I've actually played, I played a game where I, like, I just didn't have any kind of reach. I didn't draw any kind of burn or anything that could answer it. My opponent was able to tick Sahili up to eight. Now remember, her ultimate is at seven. Yeah. <laughs> they ticked it up to eight, ultimated it. And then ticked it up to six again. It starts uh, on it, or, so it starts three. on so it starts on three. So they ticked up five times, and then they ticked it up five more times. And I still was able to win that game. Yeah, uh, there was one match at the one of the PPTQs I went to where it was the Sahili Mirror, and once Sahili was stuck on turn three, other player didn't have an answer, and it got up to fifteen loyalty. Good lord. Now, yeah, granted, I did take a lot of damage off of that Sahili because her plus one is. Scry one, deal one damage to target opponent. Yeah, Ow. which is very powerful. Yeah, and the funny part was is they like they scryed that many times and still could not find their Felidar Guardian combo piece. <laughs> and in the middle of that, they also cast I think like two Glimmer of Genius. Still couldn't find it. I'm like, yeah. how have you not found this yet? Because I'm sitting with like a counterspell in hand, ready to go, and I'm like, play the dang card, just play it. <laughs> and I never, I never got to counter the Guardian because I never found it. Yeah, but this deck is—it's not easy. No, it really isn't. And I've, and I've you definitely have to play the waiting game. You have to play the waiting game. Yeah, I got frustrated in my first league. I went one and four in my first league with it because I kind of ran into some floods. But there were games where like I would either win gigantically or I would just like 
get obliterated on one spell and then not be able to come back from it. Uh, having to learn or relearn counter like counter deck spe- uh, play was kind of hard, but at the same time, it's fun. It's a deck that's very rewarding if you put enough reps into it, learn the matchups, learn when you need to counter something, when you can let it resolve and then kill it to possibly get, you know, unless it's, it's integration value. It's like you might not want to let, you can let a creature resolve and then kill it or you can just not let it answer at all. Um, also, just the waiting game has killed me. Like, I'm just like, I need to jam everything quickly as possible, but I'm like, these games start at turn 10. I've played draw go with this deck so many times, and I'm like, this feels just so weird saying draw go smash F2 until my opponent's turn. Or I'll just oh, yeah. be like, I'll just be like, draw, like, just mash F2. I, would, I don't hit F6. <laughs> You know, this is not an F6 style deck if you're playing this on Magic Online. Never hit F6. No, I hit F6 and F3. <laughs> oh, yeah. But. Um, this list is really sweet. It does take a little bit of patience to play. Um, and know. also the fact that you do need to know how you need to play specific matchups. You need to know, oh, this person I think is on Mardu, or this person's on another control deck, or this person's on Green Black, or oh, this person's on Sahili or Four Color, or whatever it is. Yeah. I need to learn those matchups and figure out exactly which one to do. Yeah, For example, there's one player in my local metagame who's playing a Teamer Eldrazi deck. And so I need to have plans for if I run into them, which gets back to our whole episode on metagames a while back, knowing what you need to have in your sideboard or what decks you want to bring based on what you expect to play against. Yes. Um, just I played against a Aetherworks Marvel deck. That was just like Teamer Energy Marvel. It was weird. Um Remember, you don't like the control matchups get really great in the sideboard once you can just bring get all your dead removal out and just bring in like Jace, Sphinx, and all the other kind of crazy fun stuff. Um, it's a fun deck, it's rewarding. I definitely am going to be playing it from here on. I mean, I know other decks might be better than this one, but I feel like against the field, no one's gunning for this deck. Like, it does, yeah, it really isn't any like specific hate towards it the only hate you really face is artifact hate because of the vehicle decks so your towers might die but odds are you have the counter spells to stop that from happening um and that if we had a better counter spell i would absolutely take revolutionary rebuff out of this deck yeah well i mean it's as close to mana leak as we're gonna get yeah and the worst the worst part is is just not being able to counter a gear hulk yeah there's that, is, like, that is the absolute worst feeling. Ugh. Also, it gets so bad. I swear I sideboard out in the control matchups just because it gets so terrible in the late game because they can pay the mana for it. Yeah. Um, you definitely bring in that from the gates and stuff. It's. I mean, I have cast it in order to get the energy, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, it, was, it wasn't the gate that I cast on my one Harness Lightning. It was a Revolutionary Rebuff to counter it, but... Yeah. Um, it's... So we, John and I have been talking a lot of cards, and yeah, it's a podcast. We don't do the video uh, kind of video side uh, companion things, hopefully yet, for this. We are going to put the deck list. We should have made a disclaimer at the beginning, say we'll have the deck list there if you want to. Uh, one thing that I, I know I kind of want to do with John is this weekend I have a long weekend uh, because of the federal holiday for President's Day. I know I want to get a stream where I take this into a league, and we do a little bit of a deck tech and that I can put up as a video. I definitely want to get that a little bit of video with me and John explaining at least the current build that we are going to take into this league. Uh, so that yeah. way you guys can have a visual representation of it. Uh, we, the links we put in the down below 
Uh, one of them specifically for John's list is, I'm just using his because he's got the current list. I'm still tweaking mine in between leagues. But it's the MTG Goldfish visual view that I've we've uploaded the deck list into there so you can see card by card the nice pictures of it. Also, we put a lot of this Paulus thing and the original deck list down there so you can see where it started and where we've taken it. I do think this deck has some play. Oh, we never mentioned uh, why we don't play uh, Fatal Push. Fatal Push. Because we don't have enough black sources. Well, also, there's really not a lot of stuff to trigger Revolt. Not really. We have just the three or four Evolving Wilds, and that's really it. Unless, like, we have to rely on something killing one of our creatures to get, or our Dynavolt Tower to get it off. Yeah, there are changes that we could make to make it more likely to trigger Revolt. Like, uh, playing, Re- playing, like, Renegade Map instead of something like an Evolving Wilds. Um, but... The big thing is we don't have the revolt so that your our fatal pushes can hit the big things. Uh, it's also the same reason why we're not really playing flank tendrils because again, getting a double black by turn three can be harder or easier depending on what your draw looks like. Yeah, and I would say like you don't even really want to play flank tendrils on three, as we saw in the Grand Prix this past weekend. Uh, the winner of it actually, the Ryan Hare actually held a turn. He's like, he could have played his Flying Tendrils one turn, waited another turn, then his opponent played the uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger and got he got max value out of it. You don't, ne- I, we're not playing Kalidus, we're not playing Ruinous Paths, um, grasp, no Grasp of Darkness, there's no double black pips in this deck. Um, you're trying to minimize your black spell usage, at least in this mana base build of our deck. Which makes the mana much easier to to kind of manipulate instead of, say, a true three-color build where we might need to play, say, a Smoldering Marsh out of necessity. Yes, um, and we don't have fetches, so it's not like that. I mean, to be fair, if we had the fetch lands, this mana base would be insane. Well, if we had the fetch lands, everybody would still be in Battle for Zendikar land, but that's <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh, no, for sure. But I, if you're looking for a control deck and... Baseline, the actual just the straight red blue deck of this version are really good. Yeah, they're putting up five zero results in leagues online. I haven't seen a lot of the Grixis list. I just don't think people are playing the Grixis list. I think, I mean, now that Paula's article is out, we might see a couple more things pop out. But people are just kind of not playing the black. They're just playing the straight two color. I don't blame them, honestly. No, I really don't either. Um, like I said, we're only really touching black for the unlicensed disintegration, but we just value that over just strict blue-red, just because I feel it's just more value. Uh, If we took out the Black Splash, we'd be replacing five cards, and I think I would replace them with, like, an extra tower, and then, like, maybe a few more, like, red removal spells or blue counter spells. I would probably put a Jace in the main and have a Jace in the side if I just ran straight red-blue, because, you you mean, at that point, there's no reason not to run a Jace in the main. Absolutely. So there's a couple little tweaks. We're going to work on it. Uh, if you guys want to, we can move on to talking about where you can find us on social media because of that deck tech. Um, I know, I don't know how we're going to put it up online. We might make a, I think make a YouTube if we do the video for it. Who knows? Um, either yeah. that or I'll at least put, put it up on my YouTube account. But uh, you guys can follow me on social media, on Twitter at DixonIJ. Uh, remember, I am currently sitting in protected mode. Uh, please, if you want to follow, just give a follow. If it kind of sits there for a day, kind of poke me or poke John <laughs> about it. Uh, I would actually highly recommend if you're doing this, poke either the poke the uh, Eyes on the Mize account for Twitter. 
um because or and or and or john because i follow like that and he'll just poke me and say hey add this person uh on twitch where you guys will see a stream it'll probably be on saturday or sun or sunday or monday so follow john follow the uh, the podcast account and if you follow me you'll see it there but it's twitch.tv slash dicks uh, it'll probably be mid-afternoon um probably on sunday does that work better for- um we'll talk yeah we'll talk about it but we'll plan it out we'll announce it and then you guys can watch and enjoy uh john where can they find you on social media you guys can find me on twitter at jwiley129 i'm also on twitch by the same handle don't hesitate to say hi if you see me in any sort of twitch chat rooms that you might find anywhere on that site if you want to reach the podcast directly you can do so on twitter at eyes on the mize uh, you can also send us a more personal question if you shoot us an email at eyes on the mize at gmail.com please give us your feedback and your reviews we would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you for example if you all are interested in video content please let us know in any case that's going to do it for ian and i thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next time <laughs>